So like I was saying, I rip out the other robot's heart, and then I just bite right into it. You're listening to Good Enough Games, a podcast about the things we like. This season, that's anarchism, queer stuff, and magical girls. I'm your GM for this season, Nell Wilson. My pronouns are they, them. You can follow me on social media at Lindy Bombette on Twitter. I'm joined by my players, Marina. I'm Marina Conrad. My pronouns are she, her. You can follow me on Twitter at Dimension Dust, and I'm playing Fashe, the angry murder boy. Zeb. Uh, hi, I'm Zeb. Uh, my pronouns are they, them, and I am playing Solange. The robot friend. Dash? Hello, I'm Dash. Uh, I'm, well, he, him. I'm afraid I don't have any social media you can follow me on, but I play lovely Jante, the uh, sleepy but uh, rather driven, intense young woman. Cool. And Robin. Good My name is Robin. I play uh, violin. My pronouns are he, him. And you can follow me at, at Robin Kuiper uh, on Instagram. Uh, if you know how to write that. This season, we're playing Girl by Moonlight by Andrew Gillis. Uh, It's a game currently in playtest about magical girls fighting the darkness of the world through the power of friendship and community. My agenda for this season is to give monsters human hearts, to imagine a brighter future where we're kinder to each other and to the planet we share, and to capture the solar punk aesthetic which merges the practical with the beautiful, the well-designed with the green and lush, and the bright and colorful with the earthly and solid. Last session, our heroes explored the industrial district in the capital city of Ark, searching for tech that could be repurposed for use in Renity and aiming to reunite Esther Santil with her mother. She was left to decide whether she would try to convince her mom to return to Renity with her or rejoin her mom in Ark. While exploring a factory, Solange befriended a daydreaming robot named Aphid, who was working on an assembly line weaving custom parts from raw materials. She stayed behind to focus on fulfilling her quotas, but Solange promised to return to free her before they left the city. Solange, Fache, Violine, and Lovely all tried in their own ways to convince Esther to stay in Renity, but ultimately, it came to nothing. She'd seen the Loa become too unstable and dangerous, seen how far back Renity still was technologically, and felt too acutely her longing for a life studying the sleeping city. And so she gave a tearful farewell to Lovely, her friend of so many years, and agreed to Ark's secret deal. She would lead the Loa directly into an ambush in exchange for another chance at her dream. The walls closed in quick. With heavy industrial doors locked behind them, most of our crew's transcendent energy spent and heavy robotic security forces bearing down on them, the situation was dire. Urzali sacrificed herself to hold the approaching robots at bay and allow the rest of the team to escape. And now, Fashe finds himself in ARC custody once again. This time, as a traitor. And the rest of our team is left to wander the streets of the capital without a guide, trying to evade the citywide manhunt now in their pursuit. And now, prologue fiction. Deep 
in the heart of Ark, far above the city, in a nevertheless windowless and dimly lit room. Two figures stand before a great wall of technology. Latches and levers, dials and oscilloscope readouts, and a gently pulsing blue light that casts the two in and out of silhouette. One holds a mask to her mouth and leans on a cane. Her breaths are even and slow. The other stands tense, staring at her hand, where dwindling wisps of molten energy lick her fingers. A slightly stiff robotic voice comes over the loudspeaker. The Loa have been detected in District 7. The channel is active and prepared for ignition. And then, somewhat more gently, Simone, Rosina, the floor is yours, whenever you're ready. Simone's molten fire radiates in a steady stream from her palm now. Before her is a glass-windowed alcove. A metallic gauntlet sits within, reaching away from her. It's trailing fat cables and surrounded by dozens of articulated arms. Near the bottom of the glass is an opening, about hand-sized, inviting her to place her arm within. Beside it is another alcove in an identical but opposite-handed configuration. She steps forward, seeming to make a conscious effort to avoid eye contact with the young woman beside her, and places her hand in the apparatus. With a heavy thunk and whine, the apparatus adapts to the molten fire radiating from her palm and begins to siphon it. Bit by bit, the lights of her half of the room begin to glow faintly in the same molten red. Marinette, your channel is active. And after that, a pause. A long pause. Finally, Simone gives into the urge to look back. What is it, Rosie? The girl on the cane stands there, looking up at the wall at the enormous humming device. She furrows her brow in uncertain contemplation and doesn't respond. Rosie, whatever you think of what's happening to Renity, they're here, and that's a problem. You see that, right? Rosina closes her eyes sadly and takes a deep, rough-edged breath from her respirator. I suppose, one last time, if it can bring us closer to the end of all this, Simone just nods and returns her attention to the device. Rosina sets her cane to one side, hands her mask to a nearby articulated arm, and steps forward and places her hand in the device. But nothing happens for a moment. Simone, she asks. Yeah? I'm sad it came to this. Simone's tenacity fades for a moment, looking into the eyes of her love. But then her expression hardens. I know. Let's finish this. Rosina smiles sadly, and the light begins to dim from her complexion. Her skin turns stone gray and begins to crack. Volumes of blue light, the color of island water, erupt from the fissures in her skin. Simone's meager flame is dwarfed by the deafening tsunami of energy pouring from her partner. The apparatus blazes now swimming with purples and pinks. And somewhere distant, that great tsunami crashes through the heavy cableways of Ark, headed in the direction of District 7. Tum, tum, tum. Dun, dun, dun. Ah. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to let that out. Oh. You'll be fine. Probably. 
I will make a funky remix of that. <laughs> All right. So, who do you want to start with first? There's two gangs hanging out. So, you, you guys made me part of a gang last session because I wasn't there? Yes. I, d- I don't know what bandana I should be wearing now or what gang signs we have. Yeah, it's going to be really awkward for you. I mean, basically what I said in the recap, y'all are on the run. Fashe has been captured. The rest of you are trying to avoid being caught by Ark while you run around their city. Lovely might be a slight tiny bit eclipsed. Yeah. Wait, who's eclipsed again? Lovely. I think Lovely's eclipsed. Do, 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 do. Yep. Perfect. All right. Yeah. So uh, Lovely is eclipsed. The rest of you have been yeah, running as fast as your legs can carry you, trying to avoid being detected, ducking and dodging through the maze-like streets, trying to avoid any sign of robotic security. Yeah. And we ended up hiding in uh, the automated factory. Because no one's there because it's all automated. I thought you managed to get yourself out of the factory district, I thought. Did we? Let's say you have. At this point, they've done a search through the factory district and you've had to keep moving, essentially, to avoid being caught. Maybe we see like the sun is, uh, is getting close to setting uh, and the lights of the city are on and these great towers of uh, steel are, and glass are illuminated all around you. You look like you all are exhausted and you've just been moving all day. And I think that we see you uh, kind of in uh, this space. It's like a courtyard surrounded on all sides by giant towers. And I think we see all of you ducked behind sort of like a, a stone structure in a plaza. And then on the opposite side of the plaza, we see some of those strange devices the machines, after they've been corrupted by Loa energy, leaking this purple-pink energy onto the floor as they walk with a big glowing eye of, like, swimming light. And it's sort of, like, stalking through this plaza, trying to spot all three of you. What are y'all doing? Mm, right now, I think, I think we're moving along under this, along the side streets. Not the side streets, but the walkways, the paths. And we're trying to get to the opposite side. I don't think we plan on staying here. Got it. So you're moving through the plaza, moving quickly and quietly. We're doing the sneak along the wall as the light almost reaches our feet. Yeah, perfect, perfect. Mm -hmm. There's a dramatic tension cord as it almost touches, just the spotlight comes around. Where did that come from? Y'all are no stranger to like a long day's work, but... Y'all are also just probably exhausted and stressed out. Like, how do we see that in as you're like moving and running? Lovely is hunched over, kind of arms wrapped around her ribs where she got hit earlier. Uh, she's stumbling every now and again. And uh, every time she falls up against the wall, she has to kind of put her arm out against it. And her hands trail kind of into the shadows. And she has to keep pushing herself away. Her self-control is pretty low right now. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. It being like nighttime and everything being cast in shadow and you being in eclipse is a bad time to be surrounded by shadows. (laughs) Even Violina's being silent, which is saying a lot. (laughs) Totally. Do you have like a little hand over Alejandro's mouth? I think Alejandro is having a tiny hand over her mouth. 
<laughs> I love it. That's adorable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Alejandro is making sure that Violin stays quiet. Um, and Solange, what do you look like in this situation? I think Solange looks like dirty because we've been running and hiding for a while, but they don't look like super tired. They look like they're like, they've decided to eat up the tired and just stay strong for their friends. So I think they're like walking at the back, making sure that that lovely doesn't sack behind when, when they like are falling against walls and stuff. And so you're moving. You get to the other side of this plaza and you start to move in an alleyway between two of these uh, towers that surround this plaza. And then you see glowing, swirling pink and purple shape at the head of the alleyway. And you realize in a moment of utter dread that you have these creations on both sides of you. I I thought we shook these things. Yeah. Um, do, do, do you know how we can maybe get, distract them? Get them away from us? Uh, Nell, uh, what, does it, what does it look like they're doing as they're like coming in around us? Are they just encircling us? Are they like getting ready to pounce? Or is it just ominous light coming in from nearby alleyways? Yeah, they, they haven't spotted you yet, but uh, I think you all press yourself up against the walls and into the shadows. Uh, as this thing moves and it's kind of got like this hulking beetle-like body with these tiny legs and then it's pouring this light from the aperture at its front any doorways any windows any anything in this alley manholes anything yeah there is a doorway and the machines move in closer and closer and there's a creak and there's a whine i think Based on what you described, Lovely, I think you can probably envelop yourselves in shadow for a moment. You know what? Here, here's fine. Just, just everyone, settle, settle down close to me, if you would, please. Uh, okay. Between these boxes, and just, 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 just lean against me. Violine gladly does so. Yeah. Oh, group hug. <laughs> and Fache is not there. <laughs> yeah. And so the three of you huddle uh, in this part of the street or in this, in this little section of alleyway. And there's a tense moment where you all keep, you all hold your breath as this uh, machine sort of like lumbers and clinks through this alleyway searching for you. And it looks to one side and then the other and spots another one at the opposite side of the street. And they share a glance as well. And then they continue in their search for you. The three of you, now that you're sitting here in the relative safety of this darkness, you're exhausted. <laughs> I would try to get that door open because we need to get inside and sleep. Yeah, so I think I think that it is locked, but you know, you're a pretty tough person and uh, you do have a little ounce of transcendent energy to help you with that particular problem. So I think you rip the the door, the deadbolt like essentially just breaks. Yeah. And you enter, and it's essentially like a fire escape. It's like a enclosed fire escape. Um, so it's a long stairwell that goes up the, the building. Cool. You two stay down here with the dog ghost. I'll go check what's up, up there, if it's somewhere better, or if there's someone. You sure you want to do that on your own? Um, 
yeah, and Solange looks at you, but like, yeah, yeah, it'll be fine. You make sure no one comes in here. Fair enough. And so you close the door behind you as best you can, although it's not staying closed now that the lock is broken. Yeah. And you head up the stairway, and your footsteps echo uh, through the tall structure. And you realize as you're moving, you wonder how many of these floors are even occupied. Or you wonder how anyone, how any group of people in a city this size could be so quiet. But you get up a couple of stories. And I think that you can find your way onto or the floor just below the roof access has like a little uh, like maintenance alcove or something like that. Like a little uh, like janitorial closet, essentially. And you're able to open that up and stay there. What what kind of setup do you think you get for everybody, Solange? Yeah, I mean, a janitorial closet on the top floor sounds pretty good. That means we can, like, sneak onto the roof and, and check the surroundings. Perfect. There's all kinds of, uh, like, fancy technological cleaning gadgets and all kinds of, like, chemicals and plastic and all of that kind of stuff. But you sort of, like, nestle yourselves into this, sp- this space. Um, and you finally have a chance to relax. What do we see as y'all finally get some sleep? Lovely is just almost a mirror to how she was in the alleyway earlier, just slumped against a wall, head tilted down a bit, breathing really deeply and really slowly. Her eyes aren't that closed, her mouth's open. In this kind of low light, all you can really see is that reflecting off of maybe her nose, a bit of the glint off of her eyes, and then the white of her teeth, and just steady, slow breath, with her hunched up against the wall. Violine and Alejandro? Yeah, so I think Violine is just a small ball with Alejandro in the middle, curled up and shivering, because, you know, it's shadows, but it's still cold. And kind of scary. So, this is the least fun Violine situation. Totally. And Solange? I think, um, my back against the door, chin down on my chest, and just, like, sleeping. Perfect. Looks tired and dirty. Cool. Fashé, you are also asleep, but you are halfway across the city. <laughs> Probably in, a, like, a chair, or, or somehow other, otherwise restrained, in the middle of a big room. You can sort of describe what position you're in. I want to give you the chance to describe what you look like half asleep and restrained. It's like you know all my kinks. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Honestly, I think Fashé is, like, very relaxed. He is restrained, and he's, like, in a windowless room. They're obviously aware that he he is Aloha, so there's some sort of you know, low inhibiting stuff here. Yeah. The restraints on your arms are like these two enormous gauntlets that are sort of locked onto your arms. Yeah. And I think he has, uh, he has like burns from his last fight with the, the lava robots. Perfect. <laughs> and he has just his, uh, a head is tilted to one side and maybe there's a little bit of drool and he's just asleep. It's fine with him. <laughs> like he's done his job. He, he is uh, the most contented that he could be ever. Got it. I love it. 
yeah, and so we see you like, you know, lazily with a little bit of jewel coming out. And I think, hold on a second, I have a name, but I need to look it up. Now, a word from our sponsors. Why Nell is searching for their notes. I found it. Oh, never mind. Next time. This episode brought to you by Sublime Text, maybe, with its search functions. It's very good. <laughs> Sublime Text, if you're listening, uh, please contact us. <laughs> also, how are you listening? What is this? Why are you here? Hey, rude. All right. Yeah. And so um, I think what it is, is uh, somebody comes in the door. He's probably in his early 50s, kind of creases in his forehead, a very neatly styled beard, kind of like close close cut and like a little bit angular, generally kind of angular features. He has a few scars and hair in sort of a neat set of like braids that knot in the back of his head. Uh, And he's this tall, very fit, older guy. I think you recognize this guy. I think that this guy was your handler uh, back when you were working for ARC. His name is Wiley, Wiley Whistley, Whistley Sanat. Wiley Coyote. (laughs) Hold on a second. Y'all know how to pronounce this name right here. It's it's stylish as hell, but I just realized I've never tried to say it. Wiley Coyote now. Fashé, did did you work for the Acme Corporation? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah, actually, this is is a French name. It's pronounced Wiley Coyote. We're having a dramatic moment here, you assholes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I think I'm going to go with Wiley Sina. I think that's a cool name. Okay. He kind of enters the room. There's the kachunk as the lock disengages. And he kind of like looms ahead of you. You get the light from outside the room. He knocks on the wall twice to wake you up. And he says, um, Fashé, huh? It's been a long time. Yeah, Fashé, like, blinks blarily, tiredly at him and uh, stays silent. Yeah, he kind of looks down at you a little bit sadly and he says, um, they weren't too delicate removing your augmentations. That was a long time ago. Hmm. Still, you're in worse shape than I've seen you in in a long time. Look, you're probably tired of this, uh, this tin can, right? Uh, I think we can work something out. You keep the gauntlets on, but um, I have some people you'll probably want to see. Yeah, and uh, he looks at, at Wiley with a distrustful expression, and uh, he said, and for that privilege, what do I pay? (laughs) Right now, nothing. Right now, I think we just want to talk. And for old time's sake, I think you probably deserve better than this. He chuckles, and he says, yeah, you know how that goes, right? First, it's just to make me more comfortable and I don't owe you anything, but I always end up owing someone doing doesn't matter. I'm fine. You want to move me? You want to do anything with me? I'm fine. Yeah. He kind of, he kind of squints at you and looks you up and down. And then he says, um, you know, you're a very lonely kid, Fashé. 
you had friends here. Did you have friends in Ranity? I hope so. But God, you got the same attitude as ever. And he kind of looks you up and down and he realizes that you're not going to speak. He says, um, well, I can at least give you a better view. And he uh, takes you outside and you enter this uh, enormous uh, cylindrical room. And then the center is this big tree uh, with uh, sort of pink leaves, like late fall leaves. And it's towering in the middle of this room. There is a skylight above it, like there's a big uh, hole in the ceiling uh, that shines down. And the walls are metal and industrial, and it sort of sits in this planter box that's also like heavily industrialized. And it looks like almost like they're rationed like chemicals or fertilizer being fed into this tree. Like it's very disconcerting to see this tree almost on this kind of like life support. It's a park, <laughs> or at least what passes for a park in Ark. And there's a bench. Um, and it almost sort of, if you really squint your eyes, can sort of feel like you're walking around in the Arboretum side of the university back home. But it's just cold and a little bit kind of dark and unnatural feeling. And so you enter this space and sitting on the opposite side uh, on a bench, ironically, are two people who look like they have not had any sleep. <laughs> this is Simone and Rosina. Rosina is resting her head on Simone's shoulder, and Simone is sitting back cross-legged uh, with her head back against the, uh, leaning against, lolling against the back of the bench, essentially. The two of them look exhausted. Yeah, and uh, I'm, like, still uh, in the gauntlets, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Wiley says, um, just keep those on and uh, don't cause any trouble. They. Might not look like it, but both of them are still able to subdue you, especially with those on. Uh, Fashe just shrugs uh, as much as he can uh, with his uh, newfound accessories, and he says, "I'm not going. Uh, I'm not the one that's going to give you trouble." Good. Enjoy it. I had to pull some strings for this, but like I said, old time's sake. Uh, and he kind of nods to you, and then he leaves. Uh, yeah, and so you find yourself across from Simone and Rosina, who are both dozing off. Uh, but when you look across the plaza again this time, uh, Simone is kind of like looking at you a little bit blearily and sort of squints at you. Well, it's uh, it's been a long time. Not that long. Yeah, and she just sort of narrows her eyes at you. Uh, and Rosina sort of like wakes up and looks at you and squints. And uh, yeah, I think this moment of like the three of you uh, or you exchange glances with the two of them from across the room is where we'll leave that scene. Yeah. I think that's perfect. I think we'll have one last scene and then we'll open it up to just do obligation and downtime scene, and all that kind of stuff. There's a little bit of free play and scene establishing that has to go on. So I apologize. And so you all wake up the next morning, the three of you to the, door being opened and a janitorial robot being like oh oh and and beeping sort of frantically there are people in the maintenance closet there's no protocols for people in the maintenance closet 
So one of us just like fell over backwards as this door got pulled open. <laughs> yep. Oh no, I was too tired and didn't realize it was a pull door, not a push door. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Why are there people in the maintenance closet? I, I need to go get help. Uh, and the robot turns and on a pair of wheels just starts like huffing it down the... Uh, and I think Solange was just like lying on their back, looking out up at them like shook and awakened. And was like, "Wait, um, wait, no, we help. We can help." This is a maintenance closet inspection. We want to congratulate you for your excellent work, robot. We can help. <laughs> uh, help, help! Excuse me, excuse me. Um, I don't have protocols for this. I don't have protocols for this. Yes, I can help. Hi. And yeah, like blinking the sleep out of their eyes. Hi, what's your name? They're they're already down the corridor knocking on someone's door. Oh, dang it. Time to move. Gonna run after them. Time, no, we need to go. But the robot. (laughs) The robot, it just woke me up. (laughs) I'm like a baby bird with robots. I woke up and now it's my mom. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's adorable. I need to be friends with them. Just, yeah, just lovely, like, hanging on one of Solange's arms, trying to pull them the other way. Like, no, this way, we need to go. We need to move. Yeah, and so all of you, like, get to your feet, move off some of the sleep, try to get out of the closet. Um, and when you step out into the corridor, you see the robot talking exciting, excitedly and gesturing with their arms, pointing down the corridor. And standing beside her is a woman looking like she's maybe in her early 40s, kind of heavy set, very fashionably dressed in kind of like a loose fit green blazer with like a black blouse and like a little beret tilted slightly to one side. Looks very fashionable. Hi. Hello. Um, we can help you, robot. And the, the robot's like, the protocols, I don't know what to do without the protocols. Um... And the woman kind of like squints at you and then says, um, I feel like I've seen you three kids before. Are you the one on the news broadcast? About the hip new cool um, uh, group of singers. Yes, that's us. The hip cool group of singers. No, the news has been calling you um, terrorists. That's just a band name. It's a pretty edgy band name they gave us. Um, we're here to help you. Um, very faintly in the background, Lovely is just banging her head against Solange's back. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. So Solange is like the, like a little starter every time the head bangs into their back. There's no legitimate way Lovely can actually budge Solange, but there's still yeah. just this faint like dunk, dunk. And and the woman says, um, based on everything I've seen in the news, I don't think you kids are in a position to help anybody. <laughs> But we're very, very helpful. And willing. There's an entire citywide manhunt looking for you three. Well, they haven't found us yet, so that's something. Sigh. Reach over, like, pulling myself around Solange. You seem oddly calm about this. I just, uh, I don't know. Call it a mom's intuition, but <laughs> I find it hard to be scared of teenage kids. Look, why don't you come over here? Let me get a look at you. I walk over. Yeah, and she kind of like looks you up and down. Says, um, huh. 
you kids really look like you need a place to stay if you've been sleeping in a broom closet. That would be nice. I've got work this afternoon, but you could probably stay in my um, apartment if you promise not to, I don't know, do terrorist things to it. I promise, ma'am. No terrorist things whatsoever. Maybe just maybe I'll make a sandwich. Is that okay? Do you have sandwiches? You can help yourself to whatever's in the fridge. Well, I bet it tastes like the bomb. <laughs> oh my god, Robin. <laughs> and we're all silent. I, I feel like that was a joke that will get you like reported on. We will be sent to, to the mines, to the pun mines. The dad joke mines. I'm I'm sorry. I will revert my age back to twenty year old person instead of dad. Lovely size, head in hands. Thank you for your kindness. Of course. I'm going to say if I can uh I have a couple meetings this morning, but I'll see if I can take the rest of the afternoon off. I'll be back in a few hours. You two, you three. Before uh, she looks over and sees the otter, <laughs> yeah, that's Alejandro. He's very nice. He doesn't speak, but he's very smart. He's the one who handles our agenda. Well, you should probably get some more sleep. Sorry, you said you said the otter was your secretary. No, I don't no, know. no, he wrote the manifesto. No, no, he's just my friend. He's just my friend. I see. Well, keep an eye on that one then. They sound like the most dangerous one of the bunch of you. Hey, don't pick on my um don't pick on Alejandro, he's nice. She says, um uh what are all your names, by the way? Oh, sorry, I'll introduce myself first. Uh my name is Madeline Brutus. She extends a hand to shake your hand. I shake her hand. Hi, I'm Solange. And she goes to hold out her hand to shake the other the rest of you, but uh, Violin is cradling Alejandro and Lovely is currently banging her head against the back of... I've, I've come around. I, like, reach out, but instead of the shake, I grab and then I turn her hand and I, like, lean in and do, like, the like kiss. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, she's, she startles a little bit at that. And she goes, wow, they really do things different back in Renity. Oh, right. Yeah, you saw us on the news. Sorry, I was wondering how you knew. Yes. Eco-terrorists or something like that? No, 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 anyway. no, 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 no. That's a good enough summary. Let's not make this awkward. Nature okay. friends. All right, nature friends. Well, I'll be back after my meetings. She, she, she like, turns to leave, and the maintenance robot is like, wait, the protocols! And, and she just uh, gives them a few instructions and seems to calm down the main robot. Uh, but you can see their eyes blinking at you uh, from the doorframe, like looking at the three or the four of you as you stand in this uh, small apartment. Yeah, you can tell that they're very frazzled. Oh, I would like to say hi to the robot. Perfect. They they startle uh, and then they roll down the corridor. <laughs> I guess they're busy. Madeline turns around and says, you three keep yourselves out of trouble and uh, closes the door. Look around inside. Take it in. Well, she seems nice. <laughs> oh, ow. <laughs> my, 
Might as well have wrote our manifesto for all what we know what we're doing. No offense, Alejandro. Weakly, like, reach out and try to, like, tickle him under the chin. Yeah. You reach for him and he hops out of Violine's hands and jumps on the counter uh, and then poses in, like, a revolutionary pose, like a hand on his hip and his fist raised in the air. Lovely, like, breaks down into pained laughter again. Yeah. And Alejandro stands there for a couple of seconds and then, like, wobbles to one side and then the other and then falls onto his back and immediately passes out and goes back to sleep. Yeah. Meanwhile, Lovely's laughter, she's, like, down on the floor now, starts to trail off into a not laughter, though it sounds similar. Oh, poor thing. All right. So... I think we did enough setup. I think at this point we can open it up to whatever it is you want to do for your downtime actions. We'll start by doing obligation. Obligation is going to be a little bit weird in this whole situation. You don't say. Yeah, but we'll all work through it together. Y'all basically have, you know, what amounts to stasis and uh, relative safety and a little bit of freedom to sort of explore what's going on in the world. Although, Fasha, you kind of basically only have this park and then the remaining uh, connections that your augments give you at your disposal and whatever information you can get from your friends. Friends? Rivals? Former friends? Coworkers? Enemies? I don't know. Frenemies. Frenemies. Yeah, there you go. Captors? Alternatively? That's a way to put it, I guess. Bourgeoisie oppressors? <laughs> yeah, bourgeoisie oppressors. Fellow tools of the... Of the cyber state? Yes, of the cyber state. I choose to believe this is a scene with, literally, with Feshe sitting there and these aforesaid people just bouncing different words off each other, <laughs> trying to decide what they are right now. It's way too <laughs> lighthearted for the scene, but I choose to believe that's what happened. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Definitely. Uh, anyway, so who wants to do obligation first? I volunteer. I volunteer as tribute. All right. So what do you do for your obligation? I think this is like the basic medical care the group needs at the moment. This is, despite our best intentions, lovely, like going around like, does she have any spare sheets I can ruin and tear up and use to bind my ribs and to check other people's I'm guessing probably numerous like scrapes and other minor injuries we had gathered during this period of time yeah uh, I love the idea of y'all just being like let's get crafty with the stuff in their apartment could we, could we start by, by looking if she just has a first aid kit <laughs> yeah this is this is what I'm doing I am for the purposes of medical care, I am looting the apartment. That is that this is my downtime obligation here. All right, perfect. Yeah, and so you're kind of like uh, going through this whole place and checking all the different cabinets. Uh, let's roll roll your obligation. Let's see how stressful this is for you. And that'll determine what kind of stuff you come across. Gosh, I'm trying to remember. Obligation is just the your lowest again. Yep. Yes. Yeah, lowest resistance. I'll take the two stress for that. Perfect. That means I'm only seven stress away from permanently losing my character. Oh my gosh. Don't fuck <laughs> up. But don't worry, I'm pretty sure I found medical supplies. Yeah, and so you're looking through this place, uh, and there's nice things in the cabinets and in the fridge. 
our lady Madeline here is comfortably middle class. And so this is a lot nicer than the accommodations you saw when Veline was in prison or when you were in Esther's dorm room or when you were in the factory district. You know, it's think like a, a small city apartment, but it has all of the kind of amenities. And so you do actually find this little like uh, injection molded plastic first aid kit with like a little snap latch on the front that you can open up. Um, and inside are all of these like individually wrapped medical supplies. I think you mean our medical supplies, comrade. <laughs> yes, they, they are now your medical supplies. Uh, but one thing that that maybe stresses you out is just like the sheer amount of trash that goes into this. There's there's so much packaging. I don't understand. Yeah, you're it. unwrapping all of these things, and like the the covers of the band aids have like advertisements and discount coupons, and all of a sudden you just have this pile of like paper and foil and plastic and cellophane that is sitting on the counter as you're like unraveling all these medical supplies. After like there's like a pile of trash, and then I finally put the tiny band aid on Alejandro's like scuffed arm, <laughs> and we both like exactly. look at each other and like. Ah, finally. Perfect. After after you do that, Alejandro uh, belly flops into the pile of trash like a, a bunch of loose leaves. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So that's you. Who wants to do their obligation next? I would love for Fialine to just scavenge together some meal uh, with all these prepackaged convenience store stuff, things she's never seen before. Perfect. Yeah, so go ahead and roll. Let's see how well it goes. Oh, it's probably going to be disgusting. Yeah. Perfect. Three stress. It's like immediate amount of disgusting. Yeah. Pop tarts covered in wine gums. Because they're green, so there must be vegetables, right? <laughs> I mean, consider two two downtimes ago when we were rolling ones and zeros at each other. This is This is fine. This is fine. Yeah, totally. I'm imagining like a like like a pot pie that has like a little tin casing on it, except it has a button on it, and you press it and it tr- it cooks itself, uh, but it doesn't quite cook itself well enough, <laughs> um, and so it's like lukewarm pot pie or something or like mm-hmm. lukewarm pastry. It's very upsetting. She probably adds something because she doesn't know what it is, and she wants to make it special for the rest. Yeah, totally. You throw in some of the the sauces in the cabinets. I'd like to rescript the source of my stress. <laughs> in the process of removing all the shrink plastic wrap, uh, you add to the pile of trash in the apartment. Uh, Solange, what do you get up to? I think my obligation is like sneaking, sneaking out and up onto the roof to like scout out our surroundings. Yeah, let, let's have you roll to see how well it goes. Wow. Nice. Nice. And so you get up onto the onto the roof of the building and you feel the sunlight on your skin and you feel the wind in your hair. And if you close your eyes for a moment, you feel like you're back home. And you see the clouds of pollution roiling over the factory district. You see these endless steel structures without a trace of greenery or plant life in sight. And then you see the enormous heart of Ark looming over the city this like cruciform nexus of this entire place. The drones that you remember seeing flying overhead, trailing purple pink energy that had hunted you all night, you don't see anymore. Yay. Perfect. 
Uh, Fashay, last but not least, let's do your obligation. Oh, it's me. Uh, yeah. I guess my obligation is uh, just talking to Simone and Rosina and uh, finding out how their life's been. Perfect. Uh, I think he just approaches the the bench and uh, he probably doesn't sit next to them on the bench. Maybe like sits down. Is there like a floor or is there a ground? Do they have like a fake grass here? There is. It's a floor uh, surrounding essentially like a planter box that has a single big tree growing in the middle of it. Okay, yeah, then uh, he sits down on the floor and, like, leaning onto the planter box, his uh, hands kind of on the ground, but he can't feel the ground because uh, there's, like, this these huge gauntlets on him. Yeah, I love the image of, like, there's you sitting underneath a tree, and then there's Simone and Rosina against a wall covered in, like, pipes and industrial HVAC stuff and machinery. Yeah. It's like a beautiful tableau. It sums it up perfectly. That was the intention, yes. <laughs> oh, you're brilliant. <laughs> wow, you're, you're really cool. Aw, thank you. Let, but, let's let's yeah. roll so we can see how badly this is about to go. Let's, let's do that. Yeah, it's uh, about one stress, stressful. Okay. Yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah, I think there's, like, we have this conversation and maybe Rosina is a little bit more receptive to this. And then... Let's play it out a little bit. Uh, A quick reminder. Uh, So Rosina is kind of short. Uh, She has, like, black hair in a bob. She has, uh, like, a respirator and kind of a raspy voice. she has some kind of a medical condition. And we last saw her in the Rescue V Lean episode way back when. Simone, we have not seen in Simone form, but we have met Marinette. Uh, Simone in her mortal form has uh, dark skin uh, with the occasional freckle and then long uh, wavy black hair that has kind of like a fade from black to very stark red. Rosina dresses in kind of drapey clothing, and Simone dresses in kind of athletic clothing, is the vibe. And so uh, I think Simone is kind of like sitting there, sort of uh, aloof, looking down at you from this bench, and says, "Um, well, I knew you'd decide to come back eventually. I didn't think it'd be like this. And Rosina kind of like elbows elbows her (laughs) and sort of stands up. Sort of takes a breath from her respirator and then walks over to you uh, and kneels in front of you and says, it's nice to see you uh, and hugs you. Yeah, I think Fashe wanted to say something snappy to Simone, but then Rosina was there and like he can't help, but like he can't hug her back, but he sort of leans into the hug and close his eyes for a moment. And uh, he says, what does he say? He's not equipped to to deal with uh, actual feelings. So I think he says, yeah, yeah, it's nice. It's nice to see you. And he's probably like talking to Rosina. Says, I, when Violine said that you were there, I was glad. And like the unspoken thing is like, I'm glad you're not dead yet. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. And she, she sort of like leans back and looks at you and sort of smiles softly and says, um, I guess I was there to see um, the worst of the trouble go down. She she kind of like uh, winks at you. You're pretty sure that when she was there, she interfered with what was supposed to happen and essentially wrecked Amadas. Uh, so she's she's very adamant that, you know, I, I think she kind of holds up a, a finger to her lips and then sort of does like the head nod in the direction of Simone. <laughs> yeah. And I think like when, when he sees Simone, uh, he kind of uh, tilts his head and he says, and if you didn't want me to come back like this, you shouldn't have come to Renity and messed with us. I'm just trying to put an end to this damn fight. I thought it would be easy. I didn't think you would destroy my shrine again. Huh. Goes to show, when it comes down to it, the people in Renity don't care about the lower. They don't care about their gods. They're just scared of anything that isn't them. Even me. They should be scared of you. You were coming. I'm trying to help them. Uh, yeah, he probably like does the, the frustrated kind of growl. And then he just shakes his head and he says, you know, this is, this keeps happening. And I, I used to think I knew everything. And then I went to Renity, went back to Renity. And then I used to think I knew everything then. But I came to the capital and I saw how it all works for the first time. And now I know that I don't know that as much as I thought I did. And honestly, Simone, any one of us is... Uh, great at destroying things again and again, but doesn't make it right. When you say, I want to end this fight, what you're really saying is I want these people to stop to exist. And that's not going to happen. Uh, she sort of seethes. And she looks at, at Rosina, and Rosina sort of like winces and sort of shrinks under the look because she knows what's coming. And Simone says, do you think I want the people from Renity, the people from the place where I grew up, to stop existing? That's what you think all of this is. I'm trying to save them. Everyone's living in this backwards fantasy world and, and people are dying. And I'm not going to let that keep happening. People don't die in the capital? All those people that are doing robots' work that look like they haven't eaten a proper meal in months, all those people aren't dying? Yeah, and she sort of uh, glares at you and says, they're given a chance. It's better than anybody gets in Renity. In Renity, everyone gets to eat and everyone gets to work the way it matters for people to work, not. And, and the two of you are just going at each other. Yeah. Uh, and Rosina is like, just please stop both of you. It's been a really long time since all three of us have been together. Let's try to make something else out of this. We spent the whole night fighting Simone. We don't need to fight now. 
And Simone kind of sits back and just sort of cocks her head to the side. Fashe sighs and he shakes his head and he says, Rosie, I, you, you were my friend. You're maybe still my friend, but this isn't, this is important. You can't just say stop fighting and everyone stops and decides to let bygones be bygones. This is, this is what my life is about now and your life too. I know that it's more than that at this point. Both of you are fighters, but you're both also my friends. So for the sake of being friends, for the sake of right now, can we stop? Yeah, and uh, Fashe sighs and uh, just stays silent. Yeah. And so there's kind of this tense moment of Rosina kneeling in front of you, you sitting back with your hands in these gauntlets, and Simone sitting on this bench looking down at you sort of imperiously. Um, I think that's where we will leave that scene. Thank you for listening to Good Enough Games. If you liked us, please tell your friends about us. We are on Twitter at GoodEnoughRPG. We are playing Girl by Moonlight by Andrew Gillis, powered by Forged in the Dark by John Harper. Our GM is Morgan Wilson. Our editor is Marina Conrad. Our music is by Ketza. We will be back in two weeks with more Magical Girls. In the meantime, please be kind to yourselves. And then embodied your clips or displayed the contents of your heart. You displayed the contents of your stomach. You had lots of delicious snacks.